Well, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to FSU Coach Live. I can't believe it's season four of this show, which is hard to wow. believe given we started during COVID with no idea what we were doing. And, and here we are. Uh, if you're just joining us, my name is uh, Dr. Tim Baggerst, uh, Director of FSU Coach. And my guest today is Emmanuel or Manny Diaz. Manny, uh, thanks for being on the show. Uh, you come from a strength and conditioning background. And so we're going to talk about that. But give us a little bit of background of, of how you got into strength and conditioning and, and what you're doing now. Well, first off, thank you, Tim, for having me on, on the show. Super excited to share, especially for the cohorts that are following your graduate program, um, the coaching program. Um, well, I actually am a graduate of FSU. I graduated in athletic training, but from there, I've always been interested in strength and conditioning and immersing myself kind of under that umbrella of health and wellness. So I ended up pivoting from athletic training and helping the kids more of an SNC setting. I've been in sports for practically the entirety of my life. So I knew for a fact that I love movement. I love the idea of sports and where, where can I find like an angle where I can really enjoy what I'm doing and also like integrate into my own lifestyle. And that for me was SNC because thematically speaking, um, the athletic training industry and career, it's, it's a great career and it's a very important role and, but it's also a very taxing role. So my whole point in saying that is that you have to really want to be an athletic trainer. And I didn't really feel that calling for that profession. So, but I did feel a calling more for SNC. So that's essentially how it started. And now we're here and I'm working at a Gulliver prep and yeah, it's been great. Yeah. So what, what, what does your day-to-day -day job look like? Um, I'm assuming that's a private school, right? That's exactly right. And they're very yes. athletic uh, driven as well. So what, what is your, what does your day-to-day -day look like? Uh, how many students do you have to oversee? Well, how many sports? What is being an SSC coach in a private school look like? So it can look like a lot of ways. Um, last year, um, I essentially was on my own and was in charge of conducting and facilitating um, the SNC for several sports, you know, fall sports, winter sports, spring sports. So we're talking football, basketball, track and field, lacrosse, water polo, and, mm. and more. So I actually was very fortunate and am very fortunate to have been exposed to so many different populations that require, you know, lots of different, you know, approaches and there are also different kinds of personalities. And with when you work with high school kids, Tim, one thing that's very challenging that, that you don't think about is the range of age. So that's from 13 to 18, different levels of maturity, different levels of puberty, different styles of personality that are intertwined within each team sport. So there's a lot of customizing and you know different approaches you have to apply with every single sport so that's kind of been my experience it's been wonderful 
Um, this year, we're actually bringing over uh, a couple of new SNC coaches, and I'm actually not even leading the actual program design anymore. I'm kind of more of the executioner this year. Um, Old Bull Athletics is the entity that is helping run the SNC for Gulliver Prep. Um, so yeah, it's been great. All right, so you talked about some different sports there, and the one that really piqued my interest, uh, aside from lacrosse, which isn't that common in a normal school system, is the water polo. And my immediate thought was, I wonder how you train differently for that. And so I'm curious, how you how do you train for water polo? Yeah, man. Um, water polo is actually one of the sports I played growing up, okay. and it's a very popular sport in South Florida. Um, we actually breed a lot of really good water polo players here that end up even going out to, to Cali, California, that's where the best world water polo is. We read a lot of really good athletes. A lot of shoulder stability um, work is involved with water polo and also just ensuring that they build that base in their lower body as well. So everything from training all the planes of motion, so that means sagittal, frontal, transverse, and then maintaining the integrity of the shoulder because a lot of water polo players have not lots of mobility, given that's the demand, right? Mm -hmm. So we need to make sure they're very strong in mobility, but we need mm -hmm. to add integrity by adding stability, right? Can't be too, you can't bias one side of the spectrum. You have to make sure you're strong on both. So you mm -hmm. have a happy medium. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of um, what I do when it comes to specificity. But in reality as well, Tim, they're in a phase right now where they're building their general physical preparedness. So even if there's movements that aren't necessarily specific to water polo, I like to um, I like to introduce them to those movement patterns, you know, because this is something that if we build their base and we teach them how to move now, neurologically speaking, by the time they reach their collegiate years, their strength and conditioning coach is going to thank whoever trained them in the past to be able to move so fluidly. So that's mm -hmm. kind of what I like to prioritize because I at first was very like fixated on very specific style training, but lately research is suggesting that's actually not optimal, especially when you're working with you know younger age groups. You actually want to introduce them to as many flavors as possible especially yeah. with movement patterns. So I hope yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, quick question in the chat box. I'm gonna guess maybe a relation, I'm not sure. Uh, just how many students are you coaching at Gulliver? Quite, I mean, in totality, like when you add up all the sports teams, it comes out to easily over hundred students. So it's like, let's say it ranges from like 175 to 250. When you think about all the team sports we're working with, Oh, I forgot to mention volleyball as well. Um, they're a very strong volleyball uh, team as well. So that's more or less the amount. Um, so let's let's say somebody's interested in becoming a strength and conditioning coach in in a high school or or coach adolescence period. What are some of the things that you've learned along the way which might be valuable to pass on to others in that in the sense that I wish I'd have known this. I wish somebody had told me this. 
Right. I think it's about having fun with the kids and finding strategies to gamify the training. Meaning almost like, you know, we're, we sometimes, especially with SNC and when you're fresh into the industry, you want to, you know, curate the most perfect program for these kids to adhere to. But you also have to like see like what, you know, what the kids are feeling in that time. You know, sometimes they're very fatigued and maybe it's not appropriate to provide them with that high CNS workout that you were excited to deliver to them. And you have to fine tune and, you know, notice those little details about working with the kids. So I would say, you know, being very flexible when working with the kids, discerning how they're feeling, discerning also like, if they have a game like the day after or the day before, so you want to make sure like you just want to make sure you're ready for that. So that's pretty much it. Now, one of the one of the conversations that happens a lot in strength and conditioning is periodization, right? We we want to make sure that our athletes are the best physically and mentally and, and technically and all these, but, but from an SNC point of view, physically they're prepared for when it really counts. Now, how do you do that in a, in an environment where you have multiple sports and these athletes may want to perform well now in order to make the roster in order to stay on the roster, but you really need them to go through the hard work where they may not be their best during the regular season so that when they get to playoffs, they are in tip top shape. How do you design or do you design periodization or is it just a maintenance phase throughout the season? Right. That's a really good question. And I feel like this is ties back into what I was saying before. Um, but for the most part, it all depends on where they are. If they are a preseason sport, an in-season sport or an off-season sport, right? So obviously for the off-season sport, I'm gonna apply a more um, linear, linearly periodized approach. So that means just honoring the overall continuum of S and C, right? So for those who don't know, that's working on your endurance, essentially building that base, then going, graduating to hypertrophy, then to strength, and then lastly, power. Whereas when I'm working with in-season sports, let's say volleyball, that's a fall season sport, I would like to apply more of an undulating program. So mm -hmm. this is based on what their game calendar looks like. So if they have a game on Friday, but I'm seeing them on Monday, perhaps Monday would be more appropriate for us to do something that, adds, that requires a little more volume because by the time it's Friday, they won't feel the fatigue from that Monday training. But let's say it'll be like, if I'm seeing them the day before their game, I might specify a little bit more power, but not too much volume of that as well either. And then we wanna supplement that with something parasympathetic. So, you know, that's something as simple as like, finishing the workout with some box breathing, some visualization, you know, some sports psych, 
stuff that's going to help elevate them and also actually allow them to recharge themselves for that game. So that's kind of been my strategy um, last year, and I'm hoping to reapply that this year with uh, so the new you don't You don't per se develop a, I don't know, a 12 week program where they're going through uh, hype, um, I don't know. Yeah, like the phases endurance, of lessons. Endurance for four right. weeks, the strength for three weeks, power for three weeks, even though it's in the middle of the season, Yours, as you you suggested, is more of a sine wave of week to week. That's right. And also just their energy levels. I mean, I might even like want to if, if it may be that on Friday they have their game and I'm trying to hit it hard with them on Monday, but they're absolutely fatigued from, you know, mm -hmm. a weekend tournament they had. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to honor that. And it's not always about you know, destroying the kids because it, there's a cumulative effect, right? Mm -hmm. So I have to be mindful of how they have a postseason that they need to perform in. Yeah. So with that said, like, that's why it's not always just because you have the program, like, beautifully templated out, you know, in every single color and, like, with every <laughs> good intention possible – doesn't mean you have to navigate it like that. You have to be a little bit more intuitive and also feel the room. So that's been my personal experience, but it's definitely like helped me become more mindful of that. You know, I've definitely grown in that sense. So, okay. So let me follow that up then with, you've got your volleyball team and they've gone away for the weekend tournament and maybe, maybe seven or eight of them are trashed because they played, a ton but you also have who knows five or six of them who sat on the bench and did a lot of screaming but didn't actually do that much in the games and so they're not trashed how do you navigate controlling for that so that they're actually doing the hard work to get better on monday when they can versus the whole team's doing the same thing because it's a lot easier as a strength and conditioning coach to make everybody do the same thing. Right. And that's, that's a great follow-up question. Um, normally I'll know who's being benched and who's you know, starting and playing the entire duration of the game. And if it's the starters, it's usually, as you mentioned, it's usually the starters that are like Manny coach Manny. I'm absolutely gassed. Like, I am so fried and they don't have a game until Friday, but they're fried, you know? So this is where I'll kind of have to like split groups okay. and have to bias a little more intensity with, mm -hmm. you know, the ventures versus, or the people who are more inactive versus the ones that are actively playing the games. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of how you can best navigate that. Like I said, it's not always going to be pretty, um, you, you know, it's not always picture perfect, but that's, that's, that's where you got to be very creative. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. The, I, I have spent time in athletic training rooms and in gyms, and I've spent time with adolescents. I've also spent time with college athletes. And I think it's fair to say that not all athletes are intrinsically motivated to put forth their best effort in a training session. 
to the point where some will will make efforts to avoid said training. So how do you how do you determine, you know, Coach Diaz, I'm really gassed. I need a break today versus Coach Diaz, I'm lying to you that I'm really gassed. I don't like working out. I'd rather just play on Fridays and avoid as much training as possible. Damn, Tim. Um, <laughs> the, I would say. You know, you know what that, I'm talking about, right? Of course, of course. And it, it, it's a very valid question. Um, it's just one of these things where you over time also understand the personality mm. of of your kids, right? You know, you're building rapport over time. So you know exactly like when they mean it and when they don't mean it. Um, I tell the co- I tell the kids at the end of the day, like, this isn't for me, it's for them, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're the ones here to be better. And if they choose not to be better, that's not on me. They're failing, not their coaches, but they're failing themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And Ultimately, like the team spirit in Gulliver is to perform, right? They're a very athletically driven school and they, they have that driven mindset. But to your point, like kids at that age don't have that intrinsic drive. A lot of them don't have that intrinsic drive to feel motivated to do strength training, nor do they understand how much carryover there actually is. Um, but what I do like to do is use my personality, use my, you know, just goofy gooberness and just being a kid with them and making them laugh and making them have fun, gamifying the training, right? Back to that word. I really find that very relevant in that, in this kind of setting, in adolescent mm-hmm. setting. Because if you can get them to trust you and have fun with you and, you know, make them happy, then they're going to be more likely to adhere to what you are telling them to do. Right. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with Manny Diaz. Uh, Be sure to ask questions if you have them by putting it in your chat box. We'll be back in just a minute. The mission of FSU coach is to prepare and equip the next generation of coaches and sports professionals with best practices and current research to enable them to pursue excellence. We have two academic programs, the online graduate certificate, which is four classes, and also a 10 class master's in athletic coaching. Our graduate certificate and master's program can be started at any time, either the the summer, fall, or spring. All of our classes have the word coach or coaching in them, and they're taught by coaches for coaches. The types of classes that we offer focus on the athlete as a whole person. We focus on the theory and practice, the research, the helping skills, uh, even some of the mental performance behind you know, what it goes into being an athlete. I came to FSU Coach because I truly believed in the mission and the purpose of the program. I think I have my dream job being a head coach at Florida State, but I know there's always more ways that I can help my athletes and better prepare as a coach, so I thought joining this master's program would help me um, learn different ways to attack my job. If you're interested in going into coaching or joining the FSU coach program, I would just say don't even think about it and do it.
All right, we're back, everybody. We're talking to Manny Diaz, uh, strength and conditioning coach, uh, working primarily with adolescents. Manny, now strength and conditioning can be fun. It can be rewarding, but it's not always peachy, uh, for want of a better word. Can you tell me a little bit about just some of the challenges of being a strength and conditioning coach in, in a school environment? Um, I think one of the most underrated challenges that um, I had to navigate through was establishing rapport with the coaches and building mm. that trust with the coaches to trust your process or to even get them into the weight room. You know, wow. there's a lot of really? them where like even get them into the weight yeah. room. Yeah, because you'd be surprised. And, you know, I understand like where they're coming from because they'll be like, look, we, we already have, we kind of already have our systems that we've been, you know, adherent to for, let's say, for, for however long that coach was, was, was there for, right? And they're like, this is kind of what we like to do preseason, in-season, off-season. So there, that's where I have to climb that mountain and kind of help show them the value of SNC and sit down with them one-on-one, -on -one, show them what a program actually looks like so that they can understand that there's a legitimate science to this. So that's definitely one major hurdle that I was completely thrown off with. Like I was thinking, oh, they hired an SNC coach because, you know, a lot of their SNC coach, um, a lot of their coaches, their head coaches for the team sports are actively seeking a professional mm -hmm. where it's like that wasn't like, exactly the case you know i've you know some of these coaches i had to actively reach out and like establish that rapport to ensure that we can bring them in and get have them produce the best season possible so that's been All one right. hurdle um let me before you go on to the next hurdle how do you build that rapport i will reach out to them whether it's via email via text and ask if we can, you know, sit down, whether it's for coffee or for them or to meet with them at the school and show them, listen, coach X, Y, Z. This is a program template that I have that is most relevant to the needs for your sport. If we do this strategically with intention, we can yield not only better performance, but more importantly, injury prevention, because that's kind of the continuum, right? The less they get injured, the more they can play. The more they can play, the better they get, the better they get, the more opportunities they have to compete within a collegiate or even professional mm -hmm. set. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, it kind of like provides a bird's eye view of mm -hmm. how important the SNC really is and it's not that like, oh, like we're going to bring athletes in and they're actually accidentally going to hurt themselves, you know, doing performing like a squat or a deadlift. You know, maybe if you have a terrible SNC coach that has no idea what they're doing, that that might be an outcome. But that's not the case here. You know, when you're a certified strength and conditioning specialist and you understand the idea of building a base, the idea of properly coaching you know, fundamental movement patterns, 
you know, they, they should be safe in that setting. If anything, they should get stronger. Right. So that's, that's pretty much how I try to navigate those conversations with the coaches. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. So continue, please. Yeah, I would say, I mean, to your point, um, about, or to my point earlier about understanding where your athletes are and like, what are their energies throughout the week and what their games kept, uh, game schedule looks like for their season and making sure when to dose them with the right amount of intensity and when not to. And sometimes it's not perfect, you know? Sometimes they'll be like, coach, like before the game, I was still a little bit sore, you know, from our previous training session. And this is me, you know, intentionally like trying to calculate it to the best of my ability, but perhaps that was a little too intense for that specific individual. Mm. Whereas everyone else might've felt fine, but that one athlete, you know, came to me to tell me, listen, coach, I kind of pushed it a little bit too hard. And I felt like it kind of hindered my my in-season performance. Mm. Right. And that's mm. where you have to be very vulnerable and like understand like, you know, mistakes happen, but it is what it is. You're you as long as you're coming from a good place of building their base, where down the line at least it'll carry over into their success, that's very important too. Or like that they're able to play at the best level possible post season for their playoffs that's very important another question from the chat and i think this is relevant to what you were saying in that coaches may not trust you and you have to build that trust um would you say some of these students feel intimidated going to the gym definitely especially um especially when they've never been exposed to a professional strength and conditioning coach in that kind of setting. Um, generally speaking, I feel like females are a little, tend to be a little more intimidated um, going into the, the strength room. And they also have the, their vanity issues where they're scared they're gonna bulk up or doing all of that. And I always just yeah. joke around with them and like, listen, like I've been trying to bulk up for 10 years and I've, successfully failed so well, you, you must not, not be a good snc coach then what's wrong with that <laughs> no nah, yeah i just share that because those aren't my individual goals my my I goals know. are more performance based right but uh you know i just try to i try to joke around with them to let their guard down and then have them you know trust the process you know and i tell them our goals aren't to necessarily look like Arnold Schwarzenegger they look it's to perform you know the best we can in your specific sport right back to the law of specificity so yeah. that kind of yeah. helps bring their guard down and I always tell them the same thing it's like you don't want to get hurt so that you can play more and if you if we play more you get better right yeah you may want to reevaluate the Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm not sure how many kids know who he is anymore, but uh, the um, uh, the concept is is sound there. Thinking back then to just generally your experiences as an SNC coach, um, what what would you say that somebody coming through as a coach, not an SNC coach, but as a coach? 
needs to be aware of or needs to to communicate in order to work effectively with somebody like you because almost every school now no that's not true many schools now have a strength and conditioning coach some are well trained some are well uh, some are not unfortunately but but coaches are going to interact with strength and conditioning coaches just like strength and conditioning coaches have to interact with coaches and sometimes as you alluded to there's that disconnect we don't trust you you don't trust us what should coaches know or how should they communicate with you to make sure that that relationship is is strong and beneficial that puts the athlete first um communication is key so constantly communicating with each other in terms of this is how the athletes responded to you know their team sports practice because of the snc training or you know whether whether it's in a good way or a bad way right so it could be like you know the 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 kids were a little too fatigued to actually execute the practice the way we wanted to or it could be like I've noticed that their speed and agility has improved significantly since we've put them in the weight room, um, you know, thanks to your supervision and the program design that you shared. Um, so with that said, it's all about consistently communicating, I'd say on a week to week basis to see how are the kids feeling? How are the kids performing in their, in their actual games? Um, and what can we, either pivot or tweak um, to help get them as ready as possible for the playoffs, which is most important. Do we need to dial it down a little bit more or do we need to ramp it up a little bit just before they get started into the playoff season? Typically, I actually end up thinking of a more parasympathetic or, you know, relaxing, driving the nervous system down, visualization practices, um, just before playoff season. So one method I have is adding a box breathing. So that's breathing through the nose, five, five second hold, hold that breath five seconds, exhale for five seconds and just repeat that process. And also with that visualizing, what is it that you want to do um, in the game? And the kids actually, from a maturity standpoint, respond really well to it. And they actually enjoy that. And that's kind of what I'll communicate with my coach, with the, the team sport coaches. I'll be like, Hey, like, you know, today was very, very easy for, for, for the kids. I understand that playoffs are starting, you know, two days from now. So our mindset is to visualize more than to train hard. Cause we want to conserve as much energy yet harness the right visuals for them to, you know, actually execute it out on the floor. So mm -hmm. well said, well, I want to be respectful of your time. If somebody does have a question, maybe they're watching this in future and wants to reach out to you or, or just network, what's the best way for them to reach you? Um, you can reach out to me in two ways. Um, you can reach out to me via email through ed15 at my.fsu.edu. And then my Instagram handle is anatomanny. Um, and you can ask me anything regarding SNC or even working with 
general population in a one-on-one -on -one setting because that's what I do in the mornings. Um, so I get a best, I get a little taste of both worlds. It's great. And I would like to also mention training, you know, individual setting versus a group setting is an entirely different world. So I would suggest as a student, um, tasting all the flavors, right. To make sure like you find your specific niche that is aligned to what you value the most and enjoy the most. For me, I like the best. I like, I like both of them. You know, I think they have their own individual qualities, but, um, definitely would recommend trying everything. Yeah. Well said. And for those listening to the podcast, just a reminder, it's ed15 at my.fsu.edu or at a-n-a-t-o-m-a-n-n-y on Instagram. Manny, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you sharing a little bit of your experience and wisdom. And, and just a reminder, everybody, uh, we're back for seasons four. So every week, every two weeks, we'll have an episode up for you live. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify or YouTube or wherever you watch or listen to these. But until next time, thank you so much for watching. Tim, thank you so much for your time.